0: Tonight is the last uh, study in this series that we've been doing um, through Hebrews 11, Heroes of the Faith. And tonight we're actually in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to go ahead and open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, the first few minutes will be review if you were here last Sunday night. Uh, Just kind of start over for those of you that weren't here. Uh, But I told you last Sunday night that if the Apostle Paul were alive today, he would probably be a sports fan. He would probably love March Madness. Uh, he, would, he would love to read the sports pages. Uh, and the reason I say that is because when you read his letters, he often used sports to illustrate spiritual truth. He, he would talk about, for example, tonight running the race, and, and he talks about fighting the good fight and, and those kind of things. He often used those analogies of a race or a fight or, or something like that, comparing the Christian life to, to some type of sports. And I think that tonight when he uses the analogy of a race, it's a very good analogy to describe life because every race has a start, of course, and every race has a finish. And for the Christian, the start for us is the day that we're born again. Not the day that we're born, but the day that we're born again. That's the start of the race for us as Christians And, of course, nobody knows where the end is. We don't know where the finish line is, but we know the finish line is out there somewhere. I saw a grave marker one time. It said, born, and it gave the date. And then it said, born again, and it gave the date. And then it said, transferred, and it gave the date. (laughs) That's a pretty good description. I, I, I like that. But there is a a date out there for all of us, isn't there? There's a finish line. There's a date when, if you're a Christian, the race is going to be over and you're going to be transferred. And so the Apostle Paul, understanding that, or or whoever the the writer of Hebrews is, I I tend to think it's Paul and sometimes I I, I state that, but the writer of Hebrews, whoever he is, uh, writes to these people who are running this race called life and, and you need to remember who he was writing to. He was writing to Jewish converts. Jewish converts who were tempted to, to revert back or go back to Judaism. They were tempted to, if not go back to Judaism, to at least Judaize the gospel. That is, to, to kind of combine Christianity and, and Judaism. And the question that they were facing was a real-life question. Do we go forward or do we go back? Do we go forward continue this walk of faith, continue this relationship with Jesus Christ, do we go forward or do we go back? Do we go back to what we've always known? Do we go back to what is comfortable, our Jewish heritage, our Jewish faith? Do we go back to the temple? Do we go back to the sacrificial system? Do we go back to Moses? Do we go forward or do we go back to what we've always known? And the reason that was such a hard question was they were experiencing persecution. These new Christians, they were experiencing pressure and persecution, and and it was a real temptation to go back. That's the reason that the rite of Hebrews gives us chapter 11, what we call the hall of faith chapter. It's a chapter about people who didn't go back. It's a chapter really about people who, who trusted God. People who, who were in the Old Testament days, they, they continued to trust God, they continued to believe God, they continued to lean on God, they continued to obey God, they continued to follow God when it would have been very easy to give up. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, by giving us chapter 11, he's saying, please don't go back. Follow their example. And so then he gives us some words of encouragement in the first part of chapter 12. And here's what he says, beginning chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with, with perseverance the race marked out for us. He, he, he talked about the race that had been marked out for them, them being the, the people in chapter 11. But now he's saying, therefore, therefore, because of what we've seen in chapter 11, let me tell you how it applies to your life. Now, by the way, uh, you do understand, I'm sure, that the, the chapter divisions and the verse divisions were not in the original text that the chapters and the verses that are in our English Bibles were added in the 2nd or 3rd century just as a means of convenience to help us find things. So when the writer of Hebrews wrote the letter we call Hebrews, he did not write chapter 11, verse 1. He didn't write chapter 12, verse 1. So that therefore, in chapter 12, verse 1, it's very important because it ties what he's about to say to what he's already said. And, and here's what he says. He gives us four words of encouragement to help us keep running the race of faith. And I hope you have your outline. We're just going to kind of walk through the first three verses of chapter 12. And These four words of encouragement or four statements of encouragement to help people to keep running the race of faith. He says, first of all, I want you to know we are not alone. We are not alone. See, as you run the race of faith, sometimes the temptation is to give up. Sometimes the temptation is to feel like you're out there by yourself, and the temptation is very real when you feel like you're out there by yourself. The temptation is is to give up. Now, marathon marathon runners call it hitting the wall. I've never run a marathon. Anybody here run a marathon Anybody? or a half marathon? You you have Terry, well, a marathon or a half marathon? Somebody, was there a hand back here? Anybody? Half, all right? So you, a half marathon is 13 miles or 13 point something miles? Who in the right mind does that? I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? But, but, but when, you, when you're running these long distances, it's called hitting the wall. And, and hitting the wall is this. You get so physically exhausted that your body is telling you it's time to stop. In fact, you get so physically exhausted, your body is demanding sometimes. It's time to stop. That same thing can happen spiritually as well. You see, you can experience some trial, some crisis, or listen to this, an ongoing problem that you have no solution for. And you hit the wall spiritually. You get physically exhausted, physically run down, and you're not sure how you're going to continue. And and the temptation, the little voice that you'll hear in your ear is, just stop. Just give up. Just quit. So verse 1 reminds us that we're not the only ones who have walked or who have run this race. Look what he says in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, that's you and me, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us, you and me, run with perseverance the race marked out for... Us. You see the word us three times there, don't you? In that one verse, you see the word us three times. He's saying, listen, this is how chapter 11 applies to you. It reminds us that we, there have been others who have run this race in front of us. There have been others who have run this race before us. And they experienced the same kind of problems we've experienced. That's what he means by this phrase, surrounded by what? Say it louder. Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The, the imagery here is an ancient amphitheater that has an arena down below for the runners. The stadium is packed with former participants. It's not just packed with, with people who are watching, but the stadium is packed with former participants, people who have run the race before. And they are bearing witness to the power of God's faith. They are bearing witness to the power of faithfulness. They're the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. If, if you go back to chapter 11, you can start scanning that, that chapter, Abel and Noah and Abraham and, and, and Jacob and on and on, Joseph and on, Moses and on and on it goes. Heroes of the faith and they testify to God's faithfulness in the race. Now, it's interesting, though, when you look at this Greek word, witnesses, you might want to put this down somewhere. I don't think there's a a fill-in-the-blank, but there's some blank, I mean, some space there. You might want to write this down. The word spectators in this text right here, or the word witnesses, rather, does not mean spectators. The word witness, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That word witnesses, it does not mean spectators. The word means that they are bearing witness to us that God will see us through. And the rite of Hebrews is saying, listen, you need to understand, you are not alone in this race. You are not alone in your trial. Others have hit the wall before you ever hit it, and they found God to be faithful. You know, if you think about it, in our modern society, even people who are not Christians understand the value of of having a support system. In our modern society, there's all kinds of support groups now, aren't there? You know, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, and there's uh, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, and there's, you know, there's support groups for first-time moms, there's support groups for uh, when you, if you've been diagnosed with cancer. There's all kinds of support groups, and those are good ideas. But the idea behind any support group is this, to tell one another you're not alone. You're not alone in this cancer. That's why there's this support group. You're not alone as a first-time mom. That's why there, there is this support group. You see, there's a word for all of us who are running the race, and the word is, you may have family problems, but you're not alone. Just read about Joseph in the Old Testament, and you'll see the family problems he experienced. Uh, You might feel like a failure, but you're not alone in this race because just read the book of Jeremiah and you'll read about one of God's prophets who felt like he was a failure. In fact, he was a prophet who cried so many tears, he's known as the prophet of tears. That's how much of a failure and how frustrated he was. You might feel like that you're tempted in a situation to do something to get even with someone and you can read about David and see what happened there. You're not alone. Or or it might be that you have this physical ailment or you have a financial setback and, and it just feels like life is crumbling around you. And you could read the book of Job in the Old Testament and recognize you're not alone. There are others who have hit the wall. There are others who have run this race before you. They hit the wall just like you have. They ran the race, but they didn't give up. They continue to be faithful to God And here's what they found. Watch this. They continued to be faithful to God and they found that God was faithful to them. That's the whole thrust of chapter 11. Men and women of faith who continued to be faithful to God and as they continued to walk the walk of faith and be faithful to God, they found that God was faithful to them. People like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses. Men and women who could testify that this life of faith is the only life worth living. Men and women who can testify that when your life is spiritually drifting, God is still faithful to you. Stories of men and women who keep running the race when it's hard. When it's confusing. In fact, I wish we don't have the time. I wish we could go back and just read chapter 11 to refresh our memory. And it's story after story after story after story of people in the Old Testament who found life to be hard. Who found it difficult to run this race as a believer in Christ. Who found it difficult to run this race as a follower of God. And yet they continue to run it. They continue to be faithful. And they found God's faithfulness to be sure. And so the Testament, or, or the writer of Hebrews is pointing back to the Old Testament to say, you know what? This great cloud of witnesses, all these people that, that he wrote about in chapter 11 were surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, people who have run the race before us, and they're saying, God is faithful, don't you give up. God is faithful, don't you quit. God is faithful, don't you surrender. But you know who we could add to that list? These are the Old Testament saints, the ones we've read about in chapter 11. These are Old Testament saints. Since that time, we could also, since this letter was written called Hebrews, we could also add some New Testament saints. Who are some of your faithful New Testament uh, characters? I, I don't like that word, but who are some of your favorite folks in the New Testament? Paul, I heard Stephen. Timothy? Who else? Who? Peter? How about some women? Mary? What would they say? Martha? All right, if we had more room, we could write even more, but the, the whole point is this. This cloud of witnesses got bigger during, their, during the New Testament days, didn't it? Men and women of God who ran their race and when they got to their finish line, when they were transferred, they joined that cloud of witnesses. And people like, like Martha or Mary or Timothy or Stephen or Paul or Peter or James or John they're a great cloud of witnesses, and they're bearing witness to us. God is faithful. Life might be hard. It, you may have hit the wall, but keep going because God is faithful. And these New Testament saints are part of that great cloud of witness. But we can add to that list also, can't we? And that's what this list is. And, and you, you wrote this down last week. Some of you did. I said, I want you to write down the names of somebody that you know who lived for the Lord and now they're in heaven. You you didn't know what you're writing down, but here's what you're writing down. These folks are also part of that great cloud of witness. People like James and Mildred Shorter, the ones that I wrote down. Allie Merritt, Gene Sullivan, uh, Dan Wallen, Ed Haynes, Eunice Bishop, Shirley Martin, Caleb Landrum. On and on and on the list goes, right? Men and women of faith, and sometimes teenagers of faith, people who have run the race, and they got to their finish line. And then they were transferred. And they joined that great cloud of witnesses that's made up of the Old Testament saints and, and the New Testament saints. And now they've joined that great cloud of witness, and they, all, they were all declaring the same thing. God is faithful. And He will honor your faith. So keep running and don't stop. Keep running and don't quit. Don't give up. They're all bearing witness. Because the way you run your race is important to God. You are important to God. So all of these are bearing witness. And you could add to that list. Now, here's what I want you to understand. It's not so much that they're looking down on us, but actually, I think the point of of that part of the text is not that they're looking down on us, but rather that we can look back to them and be encouraged to believe and trust in God. they're, They're not witnessing, in other words, they're not watching and witnessing what we are doing, I don't think that's the, the thrust of the, of the text. I, it, I don't believe it's that they're watching and witnessing what we are doing. I don't think that's what the great cloud of witnesses are all about. They may or may not be watching. I don't know. But, but that's not the thrust of the text. The thrust of the text is not that they're watching what we're doing, but they are bearing witness to what God has done. See, it wouldn't be a great benefit to you that they're watching what you're doing. But rather, they're bearing witness to what God has done. They are declaring from the stands, like Stephen. Yes, it was hard, and I actually lost my life, but I still believe God is faithful. They're bearing witness, like like Peter. There was a time when I failed him, but he has never failed me, so you keep running your race when you fail, because he's faithful. The whole point of this is simply to say, you are not alone. You're not the first to struggle with your problems. Others have run the race that you're now running. And they won. They kept running. And maybe they wanted to quit. We are not alone. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witness. And again, I don't think it's so much that they're all watching us as it is. We can look back to them. They're all bearing witness to the same thing. Don't you quit. Don't you stop. You'll be glad you kept running. Does that make sense? Let's go to number two. Lesson number two. What what time is it? Okay. Lesson number two. First one was we're not alone. Lesson number two is this. We are not immune. We are not immune. And here's what he says, the second half of verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us lay aside every weight, another translation says. It's a reminder that none of us are immune from those things that would hinder us as we run this race of faith. None of us are. It's the idea that there are some things that we must separate from ourselves in order to keep running this race. There's some things that we've got to separate ourselves from if we're going to be useful to God. What kind of things might that be? Look how he describes it. He simply calls it this, describes it this way. He said, let us throw off. By the way, what that, What's that phrase, throw off, say to you? Let's throw off these things. What does that say to you? Get rid of it. It was on them and something they've got to take off of them. Yeah. It's something heavy on you and you're not just removing it, but you're with force you're discarding it away from you. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Now these things that hinder, what might they be? Somebody talk to me. What might these things be? Give me an example of something that could hinder you in your race of faith, pride. What else? What other people, habitual sins. Well, he's going to talk about sin in a minute. What else? Yes, huh? Yes these things are not necessarily sinful things. Alright? When he talks about these things that hinder us, they are not necessarily sinful things in and of themselves. But they are things that grab our attention. They are things that, that take up our time. They are things that, that uh, pull away our loyalty. So he says, you, you need to make sure that you're willing to discard whatever weight, whatever hinders you. It might be pride. It might be a worry. It might be a burden. It... it You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, He talked about those that you're so worried about what you're going to put in your body and on your body. He said, first you need to seek first the kingdom of God. Don't let these things hinder you. I've told this story uh, years ago, but um, probably bears repeating now. Uh, My dad, well, let me back up. My brother Larry, who is a pastor in Tennessee. uh, My brother Larry was... Really into hot air balloons he he was a, he was training to be a hot air balloon pilot, and uh, rascal never took me up he equipped he before he had a hard landing and and it wasn 't a crash landing, but it was a hard landing and he kind of walked away from the balloon piloty business after that uh, but uh, but he was really getting into that, and you know you know what what we began to do? Dis- this was before we be- before he became a pastor what we discovered is Do you know when most people want to take a hot air balloon ride? Saturday or Sunday. So if you have a hot air balloon that you've invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in, you can't afford for that thing to sit there. You have to be willing to go out to give the rides in order to pay for your balloon, right? Well, guess when he'd have to do a lot of his rides? It was on Sunday my dad sat him down and talked to him. He was a grown man at that time. My dad sat him down and talked to him and said, Son, i got to tell you something. It's awful easy to let something like a hot air balloon come between you and the Lord. He said, I think that's something you need to get rid of. Because it's pulling you away from church. And it's hindering your relationship with God. And my dad was exactly right. And Larry got out of the hot air balloon business. You see, the things that hinder us are not necessarily sinful. There's nothing sinful about a hot air balloon. Not that I know of. But it can become sinful when all of a sudden it pulls you away from the people of God. It can become something that trips you up. Something that hinders you in your race that you're running with Christ. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. What's the hot air balloon in your life? What is that thing that kind of is pulling you away? What is that kind of thing that is hindering you in your walk with God? You may not have any, and if so, that's wonderful. But for some of you, you know exactly what it is, right? As soon as we started talking about this, you begin to think about that relationship, or you begin to think about that hobby, or you begin to think about that habit or that possession, and you've got a lot of money invested in that thing you got a lot of time invested in that thing. But the question is, is it pulling you away from your close personal walk with Christ? Is it causing you to be out of church? And you used to say, I'll never miss church. I'll, I'll be there on Sunday. Never, we're never going to miss church because of this. And all of a sudden, guess what? You have and you are. Now, maybe I should talk to the Sunday morning crowd because you're here on Sunday night. Right? And so he says, there needs to be a time where you examine, in order to finish well, what do you need to get rid of? What's the hot air balloon you need to get rid of? He, ta- he calls those weights or hindrances. And then he goes on to talk about, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and, not just those things that hinder us, they may or may not be sinful, and the sin, now we're talking about the sin, Tracy, and the sin that so easily entangles cause we've run the race of faith for years does it mean that we're that we are immune from the temptations of life in fact did you notice you might want to underline you might want to underline that phrase so easily entangles it, so easily entangles see the author of hebrews has been realistic about us and about our sin that there are things that that can so easily entangle us, sinful things, things that we know are wrong, things that we know are harmful, and we can so easily get entangled in those things. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I want you to notice this one verse, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, verse 12. So if you think you are are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Have you ever said, well, that'll never happen to me? Or maybe you've thought it. Well, I know how he got tripped up. That'll never happen to me. You better be very, very careful because it's about to happen to you too. if If you're not alert. You see, the writer of Hebrews is saying we are not immune. There are some things that are, that are weights, there are hindrances that trip us up, and then there are some things that are known sins. And, and before we realize it, we are right in the middle of it. And the question that he's asking is this, if you're going to run your race faithfully, if you're going to get to the finish line and, and, and finish strong, what is it that you need to get rid of? What is it that you need to let go of? And can I tell you this? Everybody listen. I'm going to give you some really good advice. Can I tell you this? Sometimes it's not easy to let go of it. Sometimes it's not easy to turn loose. Sometimes it's going to be a decision where you wrestle with. Ah, God, I'm only doing this because of you. I'm only doing this because I want to keep running the race. I want to be faithful to you. I want to finish strong. You're not alone. We are not immune. He says thirdly, he says we're not all running the same race. This is probably my favorite part of the thing, and I'm going to try not to get too far into it because I could be here for a while. But, but he says in, this, in this, these next verses, he wants to, to underline for us that we're not all running the same race. Look how he describes it. Verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Have you ever thought, it's just not fair that he has everything. Just not fair that she has it so easy. It's just not fair that they get to do that. It's just not fair that I don't get to do that. It's just not fair that I don't have that. All those kind of things. We're not all running the same race. The race that God has in His sovereignty uh, that He has given to you is not the same race that He's given to, to somebody else here in the church. And that leads to two problems you need to guard against. Write these down. Because we are so easily drawn into this comparison trap. It leads to two problems we need to guard against. Number one is judging others. Being critical of the way someone else runs their race of faith. It's so easy to be critical of how someone else is running their race. And he says, you need, the race, you need to run the race marked out for you. I'm not running your race. You're not running mine. Mine. You need to be careful about judging others. Being critical of the way someone else runs the race of faith. Look look again in the text. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for who? For us. Be very careful about judging others. You you need to be focused on, on running your race. Number two, not only judging others, but the second temptation is being jealous of others. Jealous of of the race that God has given them to run. Jealous of of what they get to do or what they don't have to go through. Jealous of what they have and what you don't. It's so easy to get caught up in all of that. One of these days, I'm I'm going to preach. I I can't do it tonight, uh, but you might want to write down the reference. One of these days, I'm going to go back and preach it. I've preached it before, but I'm going to go back and preach it again. John 21. John 21. It has become one of my favorite stories in, in the Gospel of John, John 21, uh, where Jesus is telling Peter the race that he has to run and what that race is going to cost him. And <laughs> I just love it. Peter turns around and it says he looks at the one, that, uh, the one whom Jesus loved, and Peter turns around and says, what about him? He wanted to know. uh, I'm got. Yeah. Okay. You told me what I'm going to experience. What about John? What's he going to have to do? I'm going to. Lord willing, will he say soon? Maybe. I'm going to preach that text again because I just love that text. And, And Jesus basically says to him, "If I want him to, you know, experience whatever, that's none of your business, Peter. You follow me. You know what Jesus was saying. You run your race. We don't all have the same race." The question is not, are you running the same race as me? The question is, are you being faithful to the race God has given you? The fourth thing, the fourth word of encouragement is this. This is one we can all say amen to. Number four, we're not able to run the race by ourselves. We're not able to run the race by ourselves. He says in verse 2, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author, or the word author there means the source. The author, of the, or the source, the originator and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what the writer of Hebrews is telling us? He said, listen, when you hit the wall, and you will, when you hit the wall, you're going to have to look to Jesus, a daily discipline of looking to Jesus, because He's the one who who is that your faith depends on. From beginning to end, our faith rests on Jesus Christ. He's the author of it. He's the perfecter of it. Notice He doesn't say to keep your eyes on your pastor. He doesn't say keep your eyes on your BSF teacher. He doesn't even say keep your eyes on your spouse. And the reason is because every one of those people will let you down, including the one speaking to you now. They all have the potential to let you down and disappoint you. Sometimes we always have to keep one eye on heaven, don't we? He says, look at it again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Folks, if you mark your Bible, that'd be one to underline, highlight, circle. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He will never disappoint you. He will never let you down. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who have you been looking to lately? When you're running your race, the race marked out for you, if you're looking to somebody other than Jesus, you'll get discouraged, you'll get disappointed, you'll become defeated. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads for a moment as I as I close. I want to read the scripture to you one more time. And I want to make this your prayer. I want you to make this your prayer. And just listen to it as I read it. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3. Just listen to this. And let's turn this into a prayer tonight. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You see, it was not easy for him. Just like it's not easy for you. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he says in verse 3, listen to this. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Listen to what he says. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Maybe tonight you just need to drive a stake down and say, I'm following Jesus, and I'm going to stay at it until the finish line. And I'm not following Jesus because of the blessings. I am following Jesus because I believe He is who He says He is. And I believe the great cloud of witnesses that have surrounded me, those great cloud of witnesses, I believe that they would bear witness to the fact that it was race. It was worth it to keep running the race. I believe they'll bear witness it was worth it to keep trusting Jesus. I believe that they will bear witness that it was worth it to make the hard choice and, and stay in my lane running with Jesus. Consider him who endured... Let me get to that. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you'll not grow weary... And lose heart. He, the joy set before Him, I believe, is this. The joy of knowing what His obedience would bring about. Going to the cross. The end result of going to the cross. The, the joy of knowing that when I, get to, when I get back to my Father, I will have accomplished His will. And redemption will have been purchased. What He went through was not joyful. It was It was awful but he continued to run the race. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for those who may be distracted right now, those who are running the race, and there are some hindrances, there are some weights that they're struggling with. It might be a person. It might be a hobby. It might be something they've invested in financially. But I pray that, Lord, if it's coming between you and them, I pray that they'd recognize that It's not worth it. And may they discard it. May they distance themselves from it. May they get rid of it. Just as you had declared us to do. And then Lord, if there are some who are running the race and and there is known sin there. There is sin that they have continued to hold on to. I pray that they would let go of that. Surrender it. And continue to run the race you've marked out for them. I I pray also for those, Lord, that are here tonight who have grown weary. The race has been hard lately. Maybe the last year has been hard and they've grown weary. May you, not by my words, but by your word, may you encourage them. And may the great cloud of witnesses bear witness to them that you are faithful. doesn't mean life won't be hard, but you're faithful. And may they continue to run this race of faith, trusting in Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen.